This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. I want to bring you a message called Storming the Beach, Storming the Beach. And actually, we're at the end of this series today um, out of Mark chapter 4. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. And Lord, I ask you now in Jesus' name that you're going to open your word to us. Help us to become what you've called us to be. We want to be a people, rightly dividing the word of truth, who grow. Lord, we want to grow in you, and we want to become who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Mark chapter 4, verse number 35. Uh, I think this may be one of the first times that I've used the same text for five or six sermons in a row. But Mark chapter 4, verse number 35 begins like this. That day, a specific day when evening came, he said to his, I want you to notice, he said to who? To his disciples. Is that singular or plural? Plural. He said to his disciples, the the group of them, the the team of them, I want you to see that. He said, let us, see, there we are, plural again, let us, and this is where we've really been focused, go, and I want you to notice this word, where over, watch this, we're going to go over to the other side. How many of you know that it's time for you to start trying to just get through it, that God's called you to get over it? Come on now, amen. God's called us to go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also, my goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit already. Father, I thank you for what we're feeling in this house. Lord, I don't know what all you want to impart to this congregation, but God, I feel you as I'm yet reading this passage. Speak to us clearly. Just as he was in the boat, there were also other boats with him. My goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit this morning. A furious squall arose, okay, came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples, notice this, plural, the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. The next verse tells us, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now we've been journeying through this passage for the last five services, Sundays and Wednesdays. God's been speaking to us about what it means to go to the other side. You see, if you don't have a destination, you're on a journey with no end in sight, and there's nothing fun about just wandering around. Moses even said it this way at one point. He said, we've been around this mountain long enough. It's time for us to head where God's called us to be. God didn't call you to just go from defeat to defeat. God called you to end up in a place called victory. God called you to move somewhere so that you could move into the next level of what God has for you, so that you can grow into the next step that God has for you. God has called you to a destination, and we know that in this message series, we're calling that destination the other side. Can I tell you that what it really sums up is God has called you to walk in the power of the kingdom of heaven. 
God has called you. What did Jesus come to preach? He said, the kingdom of heaven is upon you. The kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is near. God has called you to walk in the authority. He doesn't want you to wait till heaven to walk in the power of the kingdom of heaven. He wants you to begin to walk in the kingdom of heaven here and now because the authority is yours in Jesus' name. There's somewhere God's called you to be. So I guess I have to ask you a couple of questions or a few questions this morning. Is what mission are you on? I don't know about you, but when I get on a mission, it can become something that, that, that I become rather forceful about. I will drive past something that would do when I'm on a mission for something particular. My poor children, if I get that, that, that hunger that I can't, I, I can't satisfy, I don't know what, what I really want, but I'm hungry for something, we'll drive from restaurant to restaurant, and I'll pull up and say, it's too full, and pull off. Anybody else ever been there? Come on. Because I'm on a mission. I know what I want, and I want what I, what I want right then. I'm on a mission. You need to have your mission clearly defined. And, the, and then the next question that I want to ask you is, what team are you on? What team are you on? Now, some of you say, Pastor, I'm proud to say I'm on no team. You've got, a, you've got, a, you've got somebody that you uh, idolize, and his name is Rambo. See, the first service, all those older folks knew who Rambo was. Some of the kids went, who's Rambo? But his name was Rambo, the guy who goes all alone and takes on the world all by himself. But God didn't call you to work as Rambo. God called us to be his disciples, plural, to work together in a common mission to do something, to invoke the kingdom of heaven upon earth. Can I get an amen for that? God has called, my goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit already, to call us to do something for the good. God's called us to move forward. The question is, what's the name of our team? When different things get together, they're called different things. Let me give you an example. Most of you should be able to, to get this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some, a quiz here. What do you call a group of fish that get together? School. Very good. Very good. What do you call a group of owls that get together? A parliament. A parliament. Pretty good, right? Yeah. What do you call a group of elephants that get together? No. A parade. What do you call a group of crows that fly together? How do, in all three services, somebody's known that's a murder. It's called a murder when a group of crows fly together. What do you call a group of elephants that fly, not fly, walk together at a parade? <laughs> Dumbo, that's what you call them. <laughs> what do you call a group of giraffes that run together? A tower. Here's the most interesting thing I was thinking about flying. The two most interesting ones that I found. What do you call a group of buzzards that get together? A committee. First service, somebody said Congress. Come on, amen. <laughs> but a committee. You call them a committee. What do you call a group of rhinos together? A crash. 5,000 pounds at 30 miles per hour doesn't stop very easily when your legs are that short. They're called a crash. You see, a group's going to be called something. I wonder what our group is called. I wonder what our group is called. I really think that what our group is called is somewhat determined by the mission that we're on. Because you see, a group of people without a mission is a committee. And they usually act more like buzzards. But a group with moral courage, with a destination in mind, is a crash. 
And I've come to tell you today, when a group gets a destination in mind and they are headed toward the kingdom of God, the Bible says this about them, the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. That hell itself cannot stop those with that kind of a battering ram. And I tell you that faithfulness is not just holding the fort, but faithfulness is taking back enemy territory. God has sent me with a message for somebody today that it's time to invoke the kingdom of heaven in your life and that the devil has thought he's going to rob from you. God shall return by his grace and his goodness because God's been faithful. God is good. You see, we in the church have at our disposal the power to change the world. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. Most of us are not sure we want him in our lives because we, our lives get turned all upside down when he shows up. But that's why you lack the power because you're not letting him show up and mess up what's not really working for you in the first place. 2 Timothy 1.7 says it this way, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. You see, the average church and the average Christian is more interested in playing defense. We're in the boat like the disciples trying to get to the other side and the storm hits and we're more, we're more interested in just trying to survive the storm. I'll never forget that storm that I preached about far too many times when I was just a boy and went as a young man, young first year of marriage, went on a church men's fellowship deep sea fishing. I want to tell you that captain sailed that boat straight into the darks of hell itself. In the beginning of a hurricane, I held onto that boat till I was blue and bloody and bruised on every side. I'm telling you, I, I was crying out to God. I was green as that shirt is right back there. I mean, it was, it was awful. I just wanted to die right there. God, take me from this world. But when I got back to shore, I did not jump off and go, hallelujah, we're on the shore. I crawled out of the boat and kissed the dock. And said, God, I'll never go out there again. Literally, God, I'd never want to do this. Somebody said, Pastor, why don't we have deep sea fishing trips for the men's ministry at this church? I said, because I made a promise to God that I'd have no part with one ever again. But you see, I, I just crawled out and I barely had survived. Can I tell you that's the way most of us are living our lives? We've been through the storm. We've been through the fire. And we just somehow want to make it to the other side. But don't you understand that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence? And the violent are going to take it by force. And God's not called us to be a people who just come over there and just so thankful we made it. He's not called us... He's not called us to be a people who get to the other side and we're angry at God because of what the storm is and because of how the storm hit us. And God, I was just trying to follow you and get to the other side where you called me. God didn't call us to be that. What we ought to do instead of getting mad at God, we ought to get mad at the enemy who's tried to unleash his hell on us. We ought to begin to declare in the middle of the storm, devil, you have shaken me, but you have awoken a giant. You have woken a prayer warrior. You have awoken somebody anointed by the hand of God. I may have been destroyed but you have brought my praise back. I'm coming out of this boat. I'm coming over. See, as a young pastor, I used to go, when something would go wrong, I'd go to my office and I'd close the door and I'd hide in there and I'd cry out to God. I'm telling on my knees, crying out to God for days. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Over and over and over again. And finally, one day it hit me. It's not doing any good hiding in your office. And something got down inside of me. 
And a fire began to burn. And I, I'll never forget, I raised my finger. And I didn't raise it like this, but I raised my finger out toward the enemy. And I said, devil, you may have thought you were going to send us back. But we're going to have a revival. And we're going to have some souls saved. And we're going to see a move of God. And we're going we're to advance the kingdom. And let me just give you notice. Every time you try to knock us down, we're not going to get angry at God. We're going to get angry where it belongs at you. And we're going to begin to speak the victory and declare the victory. And we're coming out the other side. Let me say it prettier, the way they've got it for the screen. The storm should enrage us to unleash heaven upon the impending shore. You're just trying to obey God. And the devil thinks he's going to make you back down and shut you up. But instead, you've got fire in your eyes. Because it's not by might and it's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. You're coming through and you're going to overcome the attack of the enemy. Somebody said, where'd that scripture come from? It's when David walked out and the enemy said, I'm going to take you out. He said, no, no, no. I don't come to you with spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. It's not by my own power, my own might, but it's by the Spirit of God that we're going to overcome. Come on, give God a praise this morning. See, mo- the problem is most believers are afraid that if somehow they engage in the spiritual battle that, they, that they'll, they'll be exposed for who they really are. That somehow the sin that they have settled to live with, everybody will find out. Let me just tell you, if you think you've got it hidden, every hidden sin will be heralded from the top of the house, as Scripture says. You see, most are afraid that what little they do know will be exposed. Some of the greatest theologians I've ever met are people living in bars. People not in God's house but not in God's house because they study the word for head knowledge without heart knowledge. But Listen to me carefully. People say, well, I'm afraid to share my faith because if I share my faith, they might ask me a question I don't know the answer to. Can I tell you how to respond to a question that you don't know the answer to? This is deep now. Here's the response. I don't know. I mean, it's true. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what, you're, what you need. I don't know what you're looking for. I, I don't know what your answer is. As a young pastor, that was one of the most freeing things. When people came to me and said, Pastor, what do you think about the third wheel in the blah, 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 blah. And I, first, I, as a young pastor, I'd say, I don't know, but I'll go find the answer and I'll get back with you. Do you know what? 26 years later, my answer is, quite frankly, I don't care to know. (laughs) You go seek God and find that answer. But can I tell you, it's not about whether or not you know where the verses are. It's about what you do know. And what you do know is what Jesus has done for you. You see, I might not be able to answer everyone's question about whose uh, uh, philosophies and whose theories and and how someone interpreted this scripture, but I can tell you that God found a man that nobody else had any time for, and he picked him up, and he cleaned him up, and he set me on a path. And though the devil told me he took my voice, God gave me back my voice. Come on now. I can tell you that God finds us when we're down, and he picks us up. And I've spent my life watching God take people nobody else wants, and God cleaning them up and making them people that everybody wants to get to know. I can tell you what 
I do know. I do know that Jesus still saves. He still delivers. And what he's done in me, he can do in you. That's what I can tell you. How many of you have ever seen or watched Penn and Teller? Some of you are like, that's not clean. I'm not confessing that in church. Penn and Teller have been all over television, commercials and TV. Comedians, magicians from Las Vegas. Penn Juliet is a very vocal atheist. One of the greatest reasons he says for his atheism is he says people of faith, if they really have the faith they say, why don't they share it like they claim they should? One day after a, sir, a show, I started to say service, a show, Penn was meeting and greeting the audience. An old man, frail, walks up to him, waits his turn. Instead of a picture and an autograph, that old man pulls out in Gideon's Bible, and he hands it to Penn. Now you would think that this, this man who makes a living making fun of people would have degraded him instantly. But people were shocked because Penn took that Bible and politely listened as that old man shared his faith and said, read these words so that you might have faith also. Penn treated the man with an unusual amount of respect for someone who was known to degrade others. Someone asked him, why did you do that? He said at least he was willing to act on what he said he believed. He said, I don't believe a word in that Bible, but I want you to hear exactly what I want to quote it just right, what Penn said. He said, if you believe in heaven and hell, how much do you have to hate someone not to share your faith with them? You see, I can tell you where your other side is. It's to bring the kingdom of heaven into your life so that it starts manifesting in your world. That's what God wants to happen to you. That your family becomes a beacon of hope to families that are falling apart. That you, who've suffered through the curse of divorce, can become a beacon of hope that God restores even when it seems like everything is broken. To you that have little faith in God, can find a God in such a way that He reveals Himself through you because that's the other side that God might be known by you and others might know Him through you. You see, the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon us not just to make us feel goosebumps and cry in an altar, but the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon us so that we might live a life and take the gospel to others so that they might be set free. What did Jesus say himself? For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and to set the captives free within us, let me declare it again, within us is the power to tear down every stronghold of the devil. See, one writer wrote in church that, that church should be spiraling toward the next victory so much that people exchange their church hats for crash helmets. Now that may not make a lot of sense to most of you, but if you'd grown up in the church I grew up in, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you went to church, there wasn't anything pretty about it. By the time you were through, everybody's tie was undone. Everybody's shirt tail was hanging out. Now we just leave them hanging out. Come on, amen. But everybody's shirt tail was hanging out. The guys' face were, were, were flushed and, and sweaty and stinky. And I'm telling you, and if you went to the altar, God help you. Because when you went to the altar, one woman got on the right side of you screaming, hold on. Some other lady grab you from the other side and start screaming, let go. Come on now, amen. <laughs> they were pulling between. You think I'm joking. Should I, should I tell that story? I should... I, 
I shouldn't. I'm going to tell the story I told in the last service. I'm telling you, church was an event with the power of God. I'll never forget this story. My, I was so worried about my dad. My dad was invited to the biggest drug dealer in Forsyth County's house to tell him the gospel. As dad walked up to tell him the gospel, he pulled a gun and stuck it right in dad's face. said, preacher. And dad said, look, I've come to share Jesus with you. That man was so impressed that he didn't run from that gun. He showed up at church. The big, everybody knew who he was, too. The biggest drug dealer in Forsyth County, Georgia, came walking down the aisle to the altar of the church. He bowed his knee at that altar. It ain't pretty story. He bowed his knee at that altar. And he started trying to get with God. And he, I just can't get a breakthrough. I can't get a breakthrough. But there was this old warrior of the church. Her name was May Terry. I watched May Terry get up. She shuffled down that aisle. She come around that altar. We used to have those wooden altars. She come around that altar. She squared up with him. That old poor little, he's a little tiny man. He looked up at her. And he was expecting everybody, you know, everybody had their hand nicely on his back. May Terry looked at him, and before we knew what she was going to do, this hand of hers came up like this. And she went, devil, boom, come out of him. He probably got a gun, Sister Terry. She didn't care. The other hand, her hand came back up. She said, devil, I said let him go in Jesus' name. Bam, slapped him. When she did, he had a comb over that fell all the way to his shoulder telling you she grabbed that comb over flipped it back in place grabbed a bobby pin out of her head stuck it in his hair and went to beating on him until he got right with jesus come on now <laughs> why would i tell you that kind of story because we've gotten too pretty in church i remember when people used to have to wear waterproof mascara the ladies did because if not it was running down your face when you left church i'm looking for somebody who wants to invoke the power of god that people know we're going to the other side we're going through we're going over because god can still change lives amen pastor don they might not like our church if God moves like that. What they need is deliverance. It's not about liking a church. It's about what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 16 and 18. And I tell you that you are Peter. This is the Lord speaking. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I don't care what they say in the media. The church is not backing down. We're stepping up. We're going to arise. We're going forward. Let me translate that verse for you. We win. Let me tell you again. I said we win. We're not going under. We're going over. Because he's called us. We win. Sometimes you need to declare it. Declare it. We win. We win. Look at somebody around you and tell them we win. That's what you're going to have to start saying the next time the devil shows up. I called my pastor up two weeks ago, and I tried my best. I put on the best front I could. I was encouraging, and I told him, I said, look, I'm not even going to tell you what I'm going through. I just need to talk to you for just a moment. I, I just need to hear my pastor's voice. And, and, and he knew how to just pull exactly everything out of me that needed to come out of me. But what he reminded me of is, is that I have to begin to speak to the enemy just like I'm speaking to God. You have to begin to declare, you're not taking me out. You may have thought you showed up. You may have thought you won. But I have been chosen and blood-bought, and I'm going over to the other side because God's on my side. My goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> There's no place for defeat. There was a movie back in, was it the 90s, called Braveheart? 
that movie, the most expensive scene of the movie, had thousands of extras, all dressed in period piece, all in makeup, all paid. We've got a guy in our church, that's what he does, he's a, a paid extra. All of them paid to stand there. They were being paid, these were Scottish men, they were being paid to be quiet and have a look of defeat upon their face. Take after take after take of the most expensive. All they had to do was listen to what Mel Gibson had to say and stay quiet. That's it. That's all they had to do. Any Scottish people in here? Y'all know what I'm talking about, man. They don't listen to anybody. Mel Gibson would ride out on that horse, wind blowing in his hair, begin to lift up his voice about, we can win. We just need a few good men. And what was supposed to happen was they were supposed to drop their sword and drag it away in defeat. The directors are ready. The instructions are simple. Live in defeat. Live in despair. But take after take, as Gibson would give his impassioned plea, they would stand more upright. Take after take, you can see their hands as they begin to grip their swords. And it would never fail in that Scottish brogue. As, 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 as all of a sudden, Gip, uh, Gibson would reach that, that climax of the speech and everyone is supposed to let him down and turn. All of a sudden, one of those Scotsmen would go, Woo! And before they were long, it would take minutes to calm them down because the whole field would be crying out, victory, 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 victory is mine. I have come to tell you today, we have been called not to live in defeat. We have been called to the other side. We have been called to a place of anointing. We have been called to a place of praise. And the devil wants you standing there and, and, and bowed over under all the, the pain and the struggles and the weariness. But I'm looking for somebody who remembers the promise of the Lord that all power in heaven and earth has been given unto us and granted to us by Jesus Christ. That we are not going to be defeated, but we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That he that started the work in us will also finish the work in us and that one day one day either my ear will hear or my eyes shall behold the Lord himself our champion shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of God and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up can I tell you, victory, victory, victory is mine. Victory, victory belongs to us because we're going. I said we're going to the other side. Come on, give God some praise. Hallelujah. We had a listener down at the station make contact this week with one of our our people and and they said uh something's wrong with pastor don and they said what do you mean something's wrong with pastor don the station told me about this they said what's wrong what do you mean what's wrong with pastor don they said he hasn't yelled in the last two weeks 
I'm sorry if it seems like I'm impassioned, if that's not your view of church, but you don't understand the hell I've been through. But my king is not limited by hell because he went to hell. And three days later, he kicked the door wide open and he came out a victor. We're going over. We're coming through. The devil tells you that he's going to destroy you. He's going to destroy you of everything you have. But I'm telling you, we win. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.